Thank you. Uh, it is a fantastic honor for me to be here, to be with you, to be with Pastor Brady. Um, I uh, saw that gift of God in Brady uh, when the first time I ever met him. Um, I was actually in transition from the church where I was before we planted Gateway Church, and I was helping Jimmy Evans with some churches that uh, he was in relationship with, and Brady was one of those. And Jimmy got up and said, uh, Pastor Robert's going to be traveling and speaking some, and he's available. He's available to come speak for you. He's available to do a prophetic presbytery. He's available to do an evangelistic-type meeting. I've done those before. Uh, he's available to teach leaders or whatever you want. And um, as soon as uh, the meeting was over, Brady was the first one that came up to me. And Jimmy had listed, like, a prophetic meeting, evangelistic meeting, or teacher leaders. And Brady said, I want you to do a prophetic meeting, an evangelistic meeting, and teach my leaders. So he booked me for all three. And uh, so I just fell in love with him. And then when he came to Gateway, many of the ministries we have, Brady started. And he would start them and raise up someone and, and turn it over. It's a tremendous apostolic gift that he has. Start another one, raise it up, train someone, turn it over. And um, I, I, I knew that the calling of a senior pastor was still on him. And I would even say, uh, when I introduced him many times to staff or to uh, people in the church or to a new members class or something, say, Pastor Brady's going to come. He was a senior pastor before he came here. I said, he'll probably be a senior pastor again because this is a calling God has on his life. And uh, after a couple of years, I remember he came to me and he said, are you trying to get rid of me? Because <laughs> you keep saying I'm going to pastor somewhere else. So he said, if you don't mind, I'd like to just stay for a while. And um, so I'm glad he did. He was there six and a half years. And uh, so I, I could not be more proud. That's what I said to him, whispered in his ear up here. So I could not be more proud of you. And, and I mean that with all of my heart. And so. And John and Lisa, it's good to see you guys. Love you guys very, 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 very much. And uh, we honor and respect you. If you, I'm sure you've had the ministry of John and Lisa Bevere uh, in your church or your, the books or whatever. And you guys are a tremendous gift to the body of Christ. Tremendous gift. Um, I, if you've ever heard me uh, speak, uh, you've probably heard me say, I want you to turn to, can anyone finish that statement? Two passages of scripture. <laughs> uh, and so here are the two passages, okay? Exodus 18 and Numbers 11. And uh, here's, here's where I say, it. if you open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 18 and then put a marker at Numbers 11, I realize that I, I say turn to, and I probably should change that to I want you to click to <laughs> two passages of Scripture. Uh, so, so however you read your Bible, that's, it's fine. I just want you to read it. So, um, but I, I, I want to share a message with you that I don't want to share. Uh, I don't know if you've ever shared a message like that. Um, I mean, I do want to share the message, but the way the Lord gave it to me, uh, I, I don't really like how he gave it to me. And, and last week, as I was praying and I sent Brady a text and then I um, prayed some more, you know, I sent Brady a text that I'm feeling like this and I wanted him to say, no, do something else. And he sent back, that sounds perfect. <laughs> and um, I knew he's false prophet, you know, so, but anyway, <laughs> the Lord kept telling me to do this. So I'm going to preach a, a, a message uh, tonight. Uh, and here's the title. If you'd like to put titles, uh, it's titled mistakes I've made. Uh, and I really would have rather preached successes I've secured. <laughs> but the Lord said, no, mistakes I've made. I actually, one of my staff said, 
what, what are you going to preach? I said, well, I'm, I'm writing a message called Mistakes I've Made. He said, you want some help? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, he's with another church now, and uh, <laughs> so, I'm joking. Uh, I, I want to say this, whatever leadership role you're in, whether it's even in your your home at this point, but whatever leadership role you're in, uh, I'm going to share with you four mistakes that I've made that are so crucial for all of us to correct these, and I'm, I'm trying to correct these. Uh, but if you're, if you're a pastor or a leader or speaker, teacher, author, whatever you are, you need, you need these four foundations in your life. It, it takes as much time and energy and character to pastor 200 people as it does 2,000. There's no difference. There's no difference at all, or 20,000 for that matter. It, it takes time. It takes energy. It takes character to do it. And there is as much of a warfare against you as a leader. If you say, I'm going to lead for Jesus Christ, Satan marks you. And so we've got to be able to understand these things. So Exodus chapter 18, look at verse 13. It says, and so it was on the next day that Moses set to judge the people and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening, typical ministry hours. Uh, with, by the way, the wrong pattern. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? Just want you to notice when he saw what he did for the people, not for the Lord, for the people. And Moses had said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you, I want you to notice this carefully, both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. Anyone can relate to those three words, wear yourselves out? For this thing is too much for you and you're not able to perform by yourself. This is the old ministry model. And uh, Jethro uh, Jethro's his, his father-in-law, his, his last name was Bodine. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> Bodine, in the, anyway, so he says it's not going to work. So let me tell you some mistakes that I made um, 32 years of ministry now for me. Uh, number one, uh, I haven't prayed enough. Uh, I have not prayed enough. Exodus 18, verse 19. Let's just keep, we're going to keep going through this Exodus 18 passage. Listen now to my voice, and I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people, so that you may bring the difficulties to God. He completely changes Moses' paradigm here. I want you to understand, my job is not to stand before the people for God. My job is to stand before God for the people. In other words, the majority of my time should not be spent like this in front of Gateway Church. 
the majority of my time should be spent like this. Bringing the difficulties to God. You cannot spend too much time in prayer. You can't do it. There is a war and there is one way to win that war. There is one way to move heaven to earth and that is pray. That's the only way. That is it. And we have so many things pulling on us, we don't pray. I I remember one time um, I had the, the week off. You know, I had a guest speaker coming in for the weekend, so I didn't have to study. And, but what I did was I didn't spend time in prayer either. I just relaxed. I had a great time. I had a, I had a week off, got another speaker coming in. Speaker comes in, great man of God, wonderful person, starts speaking, and it's dead as a hammer. And I start praying, Lord, Lord, help him, help him, help him, help him. And here's what the Lord said to me, too late. <laughs> just like that, too late. And then he started speaking to me and said, you did not stand before me for the people this week. He took the week off. And when you have a guest speaker coming in, you can take the week off from study. You can't take the week off from prayer. And I, you know, I repented and I said, Lord, don't punish the people for my sin. Like Moses, you know, don't punish people, Lord, please. And it just all of a sudden got better. (laughs) I mean, it was like all of a sudden there was something funny and then the anointing came and and, and by the way, Brady, I forgive you for that first part <laughs> of the message. <laughs> so, we all start out kind of slow sometimes. <laughs> There's a war going on. There's a war. Uh, that you, you can just stay there. But uh, let, let me just say, when, when my prayer life goes down, the attacks of the enemy that land go up. Now, let me, let me clarify what I mean by that. Have you ever said, man, I'm just really in a season of war right now? Or man, the attacks of the enemy have really increased. No, it's not that they've increased. It's that more have landed. Because the shield of faith quenches all the fiery darts of the enemy. All of them. So we're always in a war. So what we need to do is say, why are more landing right now? And all we have to do is increase prayer. That's all we have to do. When the enemy does increase, we just increase as well. Uh, I, I think a lot of leaders don't understand spiritual warfare. Uh, let me just show you just a couple of scriptures. Again, stay in Exodus 18. We'll come back to it. We'll put these scriptures up. But, uh, you know, the scripture says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Okay, a principality is a prince over a region. This, this word we would say a municipality, but a palate is a region, so a prince. A prince over a region. Okay, let, look, look at this uh, just with me. Daniel 10 says, verse 12, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I've come because of your words. But the prince, that's a prince over a region, a principality, The prince, this is the Bible, by the way. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, so you're talking about a fallen angel and now a good angel, an archangel, came to help me, for I had been left alone there 
with the kings of Persia. Now we got kings too over areas. Now, I just want you to know something. Here's your Bible telling Daniel, a believer, that the first day you prayed, I was dispatched with the answer. But I have been fighting a fallen angel for 21 days. What if Daniel had stopped fasting after 20? Because, see, Daniel, you know, the word intercession, the best way to understand the word intercession is is just change it to an English word we have, intersection. It's where two roads meet. It's a meeting. Uh, Intercession, we we think of it being prayer, but intercession, really, that's why Jesus is chief intercession. Intercession is, is taking hold of something here and taking hold of something here, and you bring them together. And that's what Jesus did. He took hold of the Father, took hold of us, and brought us together. Intercession is simply taking hold of heaven, taking hold of your region where you're called to minister and bringing heaven to your region. And you have to do your part or it's not going to get done. Uh, Let me just keep going in Daniel for a minute. Verse 20 says, then he said, do you know why I've come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I've gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. This angel, fallen angel over a region. But I will tell you that what is noted in the scripture of truth, no one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. So what's great about this, I, I'm, a, I'm a math nerd. Um, I don't, well, I'm not a nerd. I just like math. But um, <laughs> a numbers add up in my mind without me trying to get them to. And I'm sorry if that doesn't happen to you. I'm sorry. But it happens to me without me even trying to do it. I, I don't. It just, you know, if you said you went 14 days on vacation and I said, what'd you do? And you said, well, I spent seven days here and then three days here and then three days here. I'd say, what, what happened on the other day? Because immediately that's it's something you're saying. I don't understand the joke, but <laughs> those days, and I don't mean to get them to my wife and I, Debbie and I were buying something the other day. It was $7 and 99 cents. And the lady said, I'll have to add the tax on the uh, calculator because the cash register is broken. I said, it's 66 cents. And she said, excuse me, I said 66 cents. Well, she went on at it, and then she said, it's 66 cents. And I wanted to say, yeah, I, I know, but I, I didn't. Um, but we got in the car, and Debbie said to me, how do you do that? I know you've done that our whole marriage life. How do you do that? And I said, well, sugar, it's, it's a simple. Uh, 7.99 times 8.25 is 66. She said, huh, how do you do that? So then I thought, if you, know, if you understand math, you break things down. So I said, well, 799 is close to 8. 8 times 8 is 64. A quarter of 8 is 2. 64 plus 2 is 66. I said, that should happen in less than a second in your mind, sugar. <laughs> she said to me, it doesn't. <laughs> then, then she said, I do know what 25% off means, though. <laughs> so then I thought she was talking math, you know. So I said, okay, you're buying stuff for $100. What does it mean if it's 25% off? She said it means it's a good deal. And then she said, and if it's 50% off, it's free. I said, how do you get that? She said, 50% off is the same as buy one, get one. So she said, it's free if it's 50% off. And she said, if it's 75% off, you're making money. So it explains some of the problems we've had with our checkbook. But the point is, numbers, add up in mind. I just want you to notice, 
Here's his prince fighting, and then he said, you're prince. Okay, I just, 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 just real simple. But I just thought this other day, you know, a third of the angels fell. That's where the demonic spirits came from. They're disembodied spirits of fallen angels. Okay, so we got a third of the angels that fell. Okay, but two-thirds didn't. Amen. And I just have to tell you, as a math person, here's what I thought. Wow, for everyone against me, I got two for me. I got two for me. So, so here's a fight going on, and you have to know that. And these are princes over regions. Now, here's what I want to ask you. What, what's the prince over your region? Wherever you're called to minister, what's the prince? We, we were called to Southlake. Southlake is an affluent community. A lot of affluent communities, you know, around America. It's no different than in another one, but very affluent. Okay, but let me tell you the, the prince over at Southlake where we planted the church. Uh, it was mammon. It was mammon. It's materialism, that money is the answer to your problems. Well, you, you understand what we did. We came in with the opposite spirit. We came in with generosity, stewardship and generosity. And we've opened the heavens now over that area. You, the way you tear down a spirit is not yelling at him in a room, even though we do pray, but it's come with the opposite spirit. Come with the opposite spirit. Uh, let me just give you a few other examples of this. Uh, I'm not going to show these scriptures, but you remember the gathering demoniac and Jesus was going to cast him out. And uh, here's what they said. Uh, Please cast us in the swine for they begged him to earnestly not command them to leave the region. You want to know why? Because they had strongholds in that region. They didn't want to start over somewhere else. They wanted to stay in that region. And then he cast them into pigs, which proves my theory that some animals are demon-possessed. <clears throat> I had two dogs that were demon-possessed. One was named Luke. I thought it was short for Lucifer. Um, okay, so I just want you to understand there's a war going on. And no matter how much we're praying, we need to pray more. Here's number two. Uh, I haven't studied enough. I haven't studied enough. Uh, look at verse 20 in, in Exodus 18. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them, now, now watch this, the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Now, I, I like alliteration because it helps me remember things. So you got W's here. The way they must walk and the work they must do. The way and the walk. The way they must walk refers to character and the work refers to ministry. These are the number two, I mean, these are the two top two subjects I'm going to preach and teach on, character and ministry, the way we must walk and the work we must do. After about three to four years of the church, I don't remember how long, um, but I was reading this one day and I was reminded of this and I thought, Lord, nearly all of my messages have been on character for the first three to four years of the church. I haven't really talked about the work we must do. And the Lord said, that's okay. Because if you don't focus on character first, the ministry won't last. So the way, the way we must walk, the work we must do. Uh, one of my life scriptures is Jesus said, feed my sheep to Peter. If you love me, feed my sheep. And, and he said it three different ways, and it's three different things he told him to do. Feed my sheep, which are the mature ones, the sheep. Feed my lambs, which are the immature ones, the unbelievers, the unchurched, the new ones. And then tend my sheep, which is helping people understand the way they must walk. That's, that's, that's the 
reproof, the correction, the exhortation, that's the teaching part of it. So tend my sheep, feed my lambs, and feed my sheep. Every time I write a message, I think of a couple of things. Does this tend the sheep? Does this, does this help them go in the way they should go? Does this feed the lambs, the new ones and the young ones, and even the ones that are unbelievers at this point that are coming to the church? And does this feed the sheep? Does this feed the mature ones? Does this feed the one that's been saved 30 years? But yet can the one that's just now coming in understand this? I think sometimes we dummy down the messages too much. And that's a, that's a big thing today. But every, every, every church and every message has to have a shallow end and a deep end. And let me just tell you, if all your messages have shallow ends only, um, you're going to lose your leadership. Because your leaders are going to say, I want to come to a place where I can be fed. And your leaders are the ones that help the immature ones and the young ones. So every message has to be deep enough to feed them. Um, You know, the church has grown, and I've started doing a lot more speaking and traveling. Some of you know this uh, past spring, I had a real health issue when I was in Australia. I, I flew over to right after Easter, which stupid, you know, right after the Super Bowl of church. To um, I, I got on a plane on Monday after uh, I don't remember 29 Easter services, something like that, and flew over to and I, I didn't do all those live. Obviously, we simulcast other campuses, but so but I flew over there and spoke Planet Shakers conference and then a Hillsong conference and then spoke at Hillsong in the church. Helped them dedicate a new campus. Did different things but spoke like 10 times in 72 hours after flying, you know, so far, and after Easter. And I had been having for about a month just severe migraine headaches. And uh, what I figured out is a headache means something's wrong. (laughs) And you're not just supposed to take medicine and keep going. You're supposed to stop, you know. But I didn't stop. And so I got over there, and then I finally, on Monday, I had a week between. Then I was going to speak for Plant Shakers, the church. So I had Monday through Friday off. So I was going to think, well, that's, I'll, I'll rest then. But I was so worn out, and the headache got worse and worse and worse, and I was taking more and more medicine. I finally called a doctor in Hillsong, and he came to the hotel, started giving me injections. Then he started giving me some more medicine to take. Um, but the medicine was different from what we have here. Not that it's bad, it's just different. And it caused internal bleeding. And I lost a third of my blood uh, in less than 12 hours. And I couldn't stand up. I was, you know, I called this doctor and he said, I'm coming right over. So we're taking me to the hospital. Got to the hospital. I was in the waiting room, the emergency waiting room, and passed out. And, you know, they hit this thing and they came from everywhere and started taking my shirt off. Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember this is the only thing I was just barely hearing, but I remember this nurse said, cut his shirt off. And the doctor said, don't cut that shirt. That's a nice shirt. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was the only thing I remember from this. I thought, well, praise the Lord, I get to keep my shirt, you know. So um, I took that as a sign that I was going to live. So, but I knew I'd lost blood, and I knew I'd lost a lot of blood. Um, and so um, anyway, they, uh, they, it took a while. They got the bleeding stopped. I had to be in the hospital for several days. And then came back. Then I had to undergo several procedures here. It took six weeks for my blood to replenish, those four pints that I lost to replenish. But it took 120 days full recovery. Uh, my iron was low. Uh, platelets were low. All sorts of things were low. I had no energy at all. And obviously, this was a time to reevaluate. And the Lord said to me, you know, you got to slow down. You just got to slow down. But here's, after I said, yes, I'll slow down, we canceled about 
uh, three-fourths of my schedule for the rest of this year. We set a matrix up to go forward. I turned my schedule over to the elders. I said, apparently, I'm not big enough to handle this. From now on, you guys say yes or no. If you say yes, I'll go. If you say no, I'm not going. But here's the thing, that after I got through uh, uh, about two or three months, started getting my thoughts back, I lost a lot of my memory. I couldn't remember things. I would, uh, I'd be talking to one of our staff members on the phone. I'd say, uh, have I already told you this? Or when did I talk to you? They said, we talked yesterday. And I couldn't remember it. And uh, I started telling the same stories, you know. And I went to see if I'd had a stroke, and I didn't have a stroke. But they said, this is low iron, causes short-term memory loss. And uh, I remember I said to Debbie, I said, I just want to go checked out because, you know, I'm forgetting things and I'm repeating stories. She said, sure, you've been doing that for years. So it <laughs> made me feel better. But, um, but when I started getting my thoughts more clearly, which was several months later, um, I was just spending time with the Lord. And here's what hit me. I had taken study out of my schedule. Brady knows I was extremely protective of my study times but I was traveling and speaking so much that I was warming over messages. And obviously God blesses his word, but they weren't fresh to me. And so that's a mistake that I made is I haven't studied enough. Okay, here's, here's number three. Uh, I haven't trained leaders enough. I haven't trained leaders enough. Uh, look at verse 21. It says, Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. This is a great organizational structure, by the way, for life groups, small groups, leadership, all sorts of things, thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Uh, by the way, organization isn't wrong. Uh, uh, the church is an organism, and an organism is organized. When an organism ceases to be organized, it ceases to live. I mean, when a bug hits the window and he becomes very unorganized, no more life. You know, there's the old joke, what was the last thing went through the bug's window, his rear end? That wasn't that funny, was it? Hang on, let me take that out. So the, the point is... Organizing isn't, isn't bad. So we have to understand. So thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. There are people who are leaders of fifties. They'll never be leaders of hundreds. And there are people who are leaders of tens. will never be leaders of fifties. And, and if you're the, the lead pastor, you need to think about that. Because the church may have grown. And you may have some leaders of fifties who you're trying to get to lead hundreds now. And they'll, they'll never do it. Now, we can all grow as leaders. We can all grow as leaders. But there are gifts that God gives. So... I just want you to notice these three things that we've talked about so far. Uh, prayer, uh, ministering the word, studying the word, spending time in the word, and then uh, raising up leaders. These remind you of anything? Acts chapter 6. They came to the apostles and they said the widows are being neglected, which was a, a very serious problem. But the apostles said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to raise up some leaders to take care of that, but we're going to give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. It's extremely important that we understand this. Now, Numbers 11, if you just flip over just a little bit there, if you put a marker there, Numbers chapter 11, I just want to show you how God had to remind Moses about this again, about raising up leaders. And he had to raise up a whole new level of leader around him, a very high level of leader. Numbers 11, verse 14. 
He says, I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. Uh, If you treat me like this, here's the prayer of a burned out pastor. Please kill me here and now. (laughs) And then he says, if I found favor in your sight. In other words, if you like me, kill me. Verse 16. So the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. I, I just want you to notice I don't mean this against any church, uh, church government. I just want you to notice this. He said, he did not say have an election. He said, people you know are elders. You, you raise up the people you know are elders. And bring, here's what he told them to do, two things. Bring them to the tabernacle of meaning that they may stand there with you. And then I will come down and talk with you there. And I will take of the spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them. You need that for every person that's around you. They, if they have a different spirit, they need to go minister somewhere else. Doesn't mean they're wrong either. Just means they don't, they don't, if they can't minister under the same spirit. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you that, that, you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. Okay, bring, here's two things. Bring them to the tabernacle of God with you. Here's what I would say. Bring them into the presence of God with you. Uh, at all of our elders meeting, Brady knows this, we always begin with worship and prayer. And I had one guy say to me, you know, our elders meetings are so long. I don't know if we could put 30 minutes of worship and prayer first. I said, listen, it'll shorten your meeting. Your meeting will go a lot better if you invite the chairman of the board to your meeting. So all, and, and here's what happens. If you want to raise up leaders, have them come in and worship and pray with you. I, I had a leader say to me just, just recently, um, he said, I want to tell you what I've learned more, all of your teachings, I love your teachings, love all of it, but here's where I've learned more from you than any other time is hearing you pray. He said, when you pray, I, that's the greatest mentoring for me when I hear you pray, Pastor Robert. So bring them into the presence of God with you. And then second thing, let them stand with you. In other words, give them some responsibility. Give them some responsibility. They're, they're not, they're not going to be as good as you are right now. You weren't that good either when you started, by the way. We, uh, at, uh, we, one of our pastors here oversees our young adult ministry, and they're letting people, you know, MC the service and uh, we were having a conference one week so they weren't going to meet the next week so he was giving the announcements and he wanted he meant to say we're not going to have services next week but instead he said we're not going to have sex next week <laughs> so I got up and told the conference I want you to know all of our younger adults are abstaining from sex this this week so just for you so it's okay people are learning when I first got uh, saved, uh, for the first few years of my ministry, I was a Baptist evangelist. And uh, in the Baptist church, we didn't have worship. You know, we had song leaders, you know, back then. And I'm not saying all do. I'm not saying it critically in any way. If that's your background, I'm grateful for my background. But I led this guy to the Lord. And uh, he said to me, I led him to the Lord on a Tuesday. And uh, he said to me, uh, right after I led him to the Lord, he said, uh, God's called me to sing. And I want to go sing with you in one of your meetings, one of your revivals. So I was having revivals. And uh, I said, well, why don't you prepare a song and let me hear you sing it first, and I'll, I'll confirm to you whether God's called you to sing or not. And, um, and uh, then I'll let you know. Well, he did, and on Thursday, now you got to say on Tuesday, on Thursday, he sang a song. Back then, you'd, you'd plug in a tape and sing to it, you know? So he, this was in the early 80s. So he sings this song, and I said, wow, man, that's fantastic. And I said, you know what? Sunday night, I'm speaking at uh, a church, and um, 
Uh, it's not a revival, but I'll call the pastor and see if you can sing this, this song you prepared. You need to work on it some more. And, you know, so he said, okay. So I call the pastor. The pastor said, great. So we get there, and while I'm doing something, the pastor says to this guy, I'm so glad that you came to lead our singing tonight. When, when Robert told me he was bringing a song leader, I gave our song leader the night off. I remind you, he got saved on Tuesday. This is Sunday. So he came to me extremely nervous. By the way, he had never been in church. Never. He was not a raised in church and got saved. No church. Okay. And this is Sunday. So, so he, he came to me. So what I do? I said, okay, let me just. So we looked in the bulletin because the songs were already picked out, you know, for us. And so we looked in the bulletin. We go to the numbers. And so I'm telling him, I said, okay, now listen to me. Um, uh, a Baptist song leader has to wave his arms. Is this true? He's the only person in church who can raise his hands, you know, at least back then. So, so I said, he said, I don't know how to wave my arms. I said, okay, have you ever dug post holes? And he said, yes. I said, okay, uh, listen to me. 4-4 four, four is breaking the dirt up. 3-4 is taking the dirt out. 4-4, four, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Three, four, one, two, three, one, two, three. That's so I taught him how to do it. So I remember right before the service, he came to me and said, is this breaking the dirt up or taking the dirt out? You know? So then right before we went up, I just said, oh, oh, I forgot to tell you something. And, I said, and some of you will relate this. I said, Baptist never sing the third verse. Does anybody remember that? We would say, and it might, be a, might have been another denomination, we're going to stand and sing the first, second, and last. Is that right? We never sang third verse was not anointed for some reason. Never sang third verse. Okay. Well, he got it backward. He got up and said, you know, we Baptists, let me remind you, he'd been saved on Tuesday. This was Sunday. He said, you know, we Baptists, Never sing the first, second, and last verse. We always sing the third verse only. They sang the third verse of every hymn that night only. Only. The pastor, the pastor came to me afterwards and he said to this guy, that was fantastic. I've never seen those verses before. He said, we're going to start doing that every Sunday night. When I started to witness to this guy, I was at Baptist school. When I started to witness this guy, the preacher boys, we were all the preacher boys, said to me, don't even waste your time. That's what they said to me. Don't even waste your time. He was there because his sister was there. She was the only family he had left. The day he was born, his father walked into the room where his mother was, took his wedding ring off and put through it on the bed and said, I told you I didn't want any more children and left. His mother died at 12, cancer. His grandmother raised him. She died at 18. His sister was at Baptist school, so he came to Baptist school. I led him to Christ. I started taking him to sing for me. He went on to get his master's degree. He's the pastor of a church now. Because someone taught him how to dig post holes. That's why. Okay, here's, here's the fourth and the last. 
And um, this actually is the first, but I, I wanted to cover it last. Uh, it's the most important. I haven't led my family enough. This actually comes in Exodus 18. If you want to flip back there, you can. But it comes actually before we started, you know, at verse 13. This starts in verse 1, actually. Uh, but Exodus 18, let me just show you a little bit. You can read verses 1 through 6, and it'll give you the whole story. But verse 2 says, Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back. A lot of people don't know this. This is Exodus 18. This is after the Red Sea. This is after the ten plagues. If you go back to Exodus chapter 4, you'll see why he sent his wife back to live with her father. Verse 20 says, Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. Now he's on the way back. Verse 24 says, And it came to pass on the way at the encampment, when they stopped to camp, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Now, yes, you just read that in your Bible. That the Lord sought to kill Moses. Moses was 80 years old this time. God's about to start all over again. Why? Verses 25 and 26, Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he, capital H, God, let him, small h, Moses, go. Then she said, you're a husband of blood because of the circumcisions. Now, why was God going to kill Moses and start all over again? It's very, very simple. The people had forgotten about circumcision and stopped doing circumcision because they'd been in Egypt for all these years. Circumcision represents salvation. It's when God circumcises our heart, cuts the flesh out of our heart. Okay, here, here's the salvation and water baptism. Both represent this. Here's, here's the point, though. God wanted Moses to reinstitute this in Israel. And Moses was going to preach something that his own family wasn't living. And God was ready to kill him. That's what your Bible said. Not wound him, not even correct him, kill him. The best thing that I can do to build God's kingdom is to be a good husband and a good father. That's the best thing. It's the best thing. That's where the overflow comes. Um, I want you to notice Zipporah's attitude here. You're a husband of blood to me. And she circumcises her sons. They're, they're uh, around 30 years old, by the way, at this time. Which is, I mean, no one wants to be circumcised you definitely don't want to be circumcised by your mother. <laughs> I mean, this, this, is a, this is a very tense situation. A lot of people don't know Moses and his wife were separated. And they're, they're, they, you know, they're arguing. They're yelling at each other. You know? And Moses says, you just, go back. just go back to your daddy. Just go back to your daddy. They're arguing. The kids are crying because their parents are arguing, plus they've had their things cut on, you know? <laughs> Can you say things in a conference? Okay, all right. <laughs> you know, I've always kind of wondered when God told Abraham this, I'm going to give you a sign of our covenant. Abraham said, oh, well, what? Circumcision. <laughs> I just kind of wonder if Abraham said, Noah got a rainbow. <laughs> Laughter 
And then I've always wondered because he said, you go back and circumcise your sons and your servants. I just wonder, I mean, if I'd work for it, now hold, hold on, just hold on. Let's just talk. Let's just wait, wait, wait. What did God say to you exactly? You know, could, could you just put the knife down for a moment? Let's just talk. But the, that, this atmosphere, and Zipporah circumcises her grown sons and throws the foreskin at his feet and says, you're a husband of blood to me. Okay, why? Or obviously, her attitude's not right, but it's his fault because he hadn't taught her. He, he had not explained to her how important this was. She didn't understand. Okay, now, they go back. Moses, the greatest part of his ministry was not the 40 years in the wilderness. It was the time in Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea. It was all these wonderful things, the giving of the law. They missed all that. They missed that. Okay, so the Old Testament happened in the literal. But 1 Corinthians 10 says it's a spiritual type and shadow, a representative of something else. Okay, so Moses' family wasn't with him for his ministry I wonder if sometimes our spouses and kids are sitting on the front row, but they're not with us. My kids about two years ago said, Dad, can we, can we ask you to do something for us? I said, sure. They said, would you mentor us in ministry? Would you teach us what you know? Would you have a private mentoring session just for us? So once a month on Sunday nights, we get together. They, get the, they even got the camera out and they're videoing. And I'm telling them how to prepare messages, how to see leadership gifts in people, how to train them, how I pray before a message, how I pray and ask God what I'm supposed to share when I go somewhere, how I write a book. I'm telling my kids how to do it. I think it's one of the most important things I do. I'll tell you one more thing about that, and then I'm finished. I, 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 I minister a lot in the prophetic. I've taught Bible college classes for the prophetic. Uh, I, I've, you know, written things on it, hear, how to hear God. And Debbie and I, when our, our kids were young, we used to have a, we, we, this our most extravagant thing we bought probably when our kids were young. We bought this hot tub, put on the back patio, and, uh, ooh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh. I wasn't going there, but uh, anyway, so, but what we'd do is when the kids would, we'd put them down, that would kind of be our time. We'd go out there and we'd sit there and we'd talk. We had this little monitor, you know, and uh, I remember one time it, it fell, you know, in the hot tub, but it was amazing because the kids never cried after that. <laughs> so, it was fantastic. So anyway, um, so we'd just sit there and talk and we'd just talk and talk. So she's telling me something she's going through and she, I just don't know what to do and da, da, da. And I said to her, I said, well, Sugar, you, you, just, you just need a word from God. You just need a word from God. And she just sat there for a long time. She started crying, and she said, I don't know how to do that. I, I don't know how to hear God. And I thought, I've traveled all over the world and taught people how to hear God. And I didn't teach my own wife. 
and I've changed that. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit. He, he can do it better than anyone else. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? He might be talking to you about prayer. He might be talking to you about all four. I don't know. He might be talking to you about spending more time in prayer, arranging your schedule so you can really study for however, however you feed people. Maybe you've gotten kind of busy and taken that out of your schedule like I did. He might be talking to you about raising up leaders. He might be talking to you about your family. I will say this. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction, but only the enemy brings condemnation. So don't feel any condemnation right now. Yes, yeah, we do feel embarrassed sometimes. We do feel sad, but don't feel condemnation. Condemnation is, you know, you're just this way, you'll never get better. Conviction is, you made some mistakes, but you can change that right now. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? So just take a moment and just ask him. And then whatever he's saying, I want you just to commit to it. Just make a commitment. Just say, Lord, by your grace, I'm committing to change this area of my life. I know you'll speak to me. I know you'll, you'll tell, help me. And then I want to pray for you. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And even though we've made mistakes, your grace is still there. Lord, I was thinking about how Brady was talking about how God has used me. And yet, in the midst of that, I've made a lot of mistakes. So, Lord, I just pray that that would be encouragement to every person here that Lord we've made mistakes but you're still faithful you're faithful Lord you're faithful and so Lord I pray for my brothers and sisters now will you help us to be better leaders better husbands better wives better fathers better mothers better men and women of God in Jesus name Amen.